are listening to The Moment, an interview podcast series on life. We interview and capture conversations with creative minds, thought leaders, disruptors, and the people that are doing what they love while challenging the status quo. You can find the show notes on our website, themomenthq.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. But for now, let's dive into The Moment. Welcome to another episode of the Moment HQ podcast, Uncovering Your Life-Changing Moments. Today, our guest is author, speaker, relationship expert, Jenna McCarthy. Jenna has authored more than a dozen funny books for kids and adults, as well as being a popular keynote speaker at events across the United States. In fact, her TED Talk was what became a key life-changing moment for her. I had the pleasure of first connecting and interviewing Jenna in 2012, and later wrote a review for her book, which said... She's witty, intelligent, and downright funny without even trying. Today, I can say, well, that still stands. However, a word of warning from experience. Be careful about reading her books on the beach, as you'll probably look like you're having convulsions while you lie there on the sand crying with laughter. So let's get this conversation started. Jenna, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Monica. That's a little pressure. You kind of <laughs> set me up there. No, I'm sure you'll be just fine. <laughs> I good. will do my best. <laughs> so your life-changing moment happened when you delivered your, your TED Talk, What You Don't Know About Marriage. Can you tell us more about that? I would be happy to. I, and I don't even know if it was the delivering of the talk that was the life-changing moment, but I'll mm-hmm. tell you how it came about. Yeah. Um, I had been... Uh, writing books for many years. I was a magazine writer and then I started writing books. And, you know, for anybody listening, if you don't know what the life of an author is, it's, it, it is the hallmark of it is I don't wear pants. I mean, I don't even have to get dressed. I don't put on makeup. I, I live in a cave and I have very little ac- interaction with other people. And I like it that way, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so this TED, hopefully your listeners know what TED is. If they don't go Google it, it's one of the biggest talking circuits in the world. It's very well respected. And there are independently organized events all around the world. And so there was one in my town and it's, they try to keep themselves so exclusive that you actually have to apply just to attend the event. And it's a fairly laborious application form. They want to know about you and why you think you'd be a good person to, you know, go to this fabulous conference whose uh, tagline is ideas worth spreading. That's what Ted is all about. They're mm-hmm. ideas worth spreading. So I just wanted to go to the damn thing, right? Yeah. So I fill out this application and the organizer contacts me and said, well, would you consider speaking, uh, applying to speak? Nobody was making any promises. And I said, oh, thank you. No, no. Mm-hmm. I'm. And he said, well, I checked out all the links that you included that you have to include in your application and you sound pretty impressive. And I said, well, thank you, but, you know, I'm not an expert. And, I mean, I'm literally, I spent 20 minutes trying to talk them out of considering me. And, <laughs> I, you know, this is this was such a such a growth moment, but I hadn't had it yet at this point. So I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm a, I'm a sit-down comedian. I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm not funny standing up. I'm only funny with my fingers on a keyboard. And, you know, I'm not an entertainer. And I, and I gave them 50 million reasons. And then the guy said, well, nobody's saying that you'd be chosen. I was just suggesting apply. <laughs> 
and I'm like, oh, dude, I am so going to get chosen. Like, you just threw down the gauntlet, right? <laughs> so I, I now now I'm applying for this thing. So I, it, you know, it's, it's a meet in person and you have to fill out all these things and then you have to give them an idea of what your talk would be. And long story short, I made the cut. And then I was like, the hell did I do? What did I do? I have to get up live for 18 minutes you know, and, and talk and it's no cue cards and it's no notes. And if you've watched any of these videos, they're, they're professional. They're, they're well done. And these people know what they're talking about. Mm. And now I'm having the major, oh my God, I'm such a fraud. I am not an expert. I am, I am an author. I like, what, what did I do? And like, like you do when you get yourself into these situations, you drink a lot of wine and you say, you know what, I'm just going to do the, I'm just going to do the best I can do. You know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. Who cares? It's 500 people in the audience. You know, if I humiliate myself, if I trip, whatever, they'll get a good laugh, but it'll be water under the bridge and I'll go on with my life. (laughs) So I give my speech. I've never been so nervous in my flipping life. Sweat is pouring down my boobs, like literally, like, like I'm, I'm soaking. I wore a sweater dress. Like I've learned so much, so, so much. I wore a sweater dress, tights and knee high boots. Like rugged uh, up. Yeah, don't, don't, don't even get me started. So I, I do my speech. I, you know, I got a standing ovation. I was the only person that day that got a standing ovation. I felt like I was on top of the world. Everything was great. And, you know, I got like one or 2,000 views. That was, you know, fantastic. I go on my merry way. I get a call on February 13th of the following year from the organizer. It said, you're not, are you sitting down? Yes, I'm sitting down. Um, Ted, the homepage Ted, the mothership has chosen your video to, they're going to put it on the homepage of Ted and it will live on Ted for all of ever alongside (laughs) the likes of Elizabeth Gilbert and, you know, all these amazing, amazing people that have given these Ted talks. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Mm. Like completely not understanding what was about to happen to me. Right. And so it goes live on the, am I, am I, am am I making this story as long as humanly possible? Are you sick of my voice yet? No, keep going. It's great. Okay, it makes the, the homepage, and I sit there watching it, as you do, and I'm, I'm refreshing the page, and the view count is 4,000, 14,000, 36,000, 111,000, 300,000, within, literally within minutes. I'm like, oh my God, like, this thing is around the world. It's being viewed in every country, and, you know, I feel like I had had modest success. I've had, you know, 13 books published with the biggest publishers in the world. I've been on the Today Show. You know, I've had, I've been out there, but nothing in, in this way, this feeling, like I felt so vulnerable and so exposed. And this was before I even started reading the comments, which I wish I never did, mm-hmm. but I did. I started reading the comments and, you know, there would be like, oh my gosh, this was great. Oh, I laughed out loud, la, la, la. And then there would be one that is, I didn't even have an account before I watched this video, but I hated it so much. I created an account just to say how badly I thought it sucked. I'm like, Oh, oh that was, that was like, that was harsh, <laughs> you know? Crazy. And then I would keep reading and basically suffice it to say that some of the unkind comments were, they were everything. They called me words. I literally had to look up. I was like, I'm, I'm heteronormative. I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't, should, is that a compliment or, you know, and I, uh, oh, oh, that was because I only talked about, you know, traditional marriage because right. I'm not gay. I have nothing against gay people. I embrace all forms of love, but I was giving a talk about the research on marriage and yeah. the research on marriage. There is no research on same sex marriage yet. So, 
you know, it was it was this brutal back and forth. But the end of the story is I stopped reading the reviews because, as everyone will tell you, if you have no haters, you're not you're nobody. Right. You haven't made it. Of course. I, I did go through this this little phase, which I still do. I won't lie. Um, but I tell I tell this to anybody who says, you know, when, if I write a book or if I if I give a speech, what's the one piece of advice you would give me? And I say, when you get those hating comments close your eyes, close your mind, and think about your favorite book in the world, a book to you that is undisputably brilliant, whatever yours is. It might be Auntie Mame. It might be The Glass Castle. It might be the, the Kite Runner. I don't know what your style is, but think about this book and then go to Amazon and click on that book. And I guarantee you, without, a, without question, without exception, there are people out there who gave that book one star. And said it sucked and said it was awful and said it was stupid and trite and overhyped and everything that somebody will say about you. And you and you go, OK, OK, like nobody's for everyone. I'm not for everyone. That's fine. And, you know, subsequent to that, P.S., people started contacting me. Agents started contacting me. Groups started contacting me and saying, we'd love for, I mean, and for, for very, 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 very nice money, I might add, we'd love for you to come speak at our group. We'll fly you first class. We'll put you up at this fancy place and you just talk for 45 minutes, like all day long, wow. all day long. I will do that. Yes. And they buy my books. They buy copies of my books mm-hmm. and I lovely, amazing people. And all of this, because I, you know, was stupid enough to apply <laughs> to attend this thing. It was very life changing in in so many ways, but you know, in in personally, professionally, emotionally, it was just the greatest and and most profound thing I've done in that sense. Other than you know, like make children and pledge <laughs> pledge the rest of my life to another person. Besides that, yeah. Um, you know, but, and, and I couldn't have seen it coming. And I say all the time, if God, if I'd known that this, that this little speech would get millions and millions of views, I wouldn't have given that speech. I would have, you know, I would have, I would have given a totally different speech, but if I had given a totally different speech, it might not have, you know, had this sort of response. It had this response because it was genuine and it was what it was. So I'm glad I did it, obviously. Yeah. That's such an amazing story. So how did you actually pick the topic well, that was another funny thing. They said, you should, you, you should, they, they said something, they probably didn't say those words, but something along the lines of, you should talk about writing and creativity. Mm-hmm. And I said, that sounds so narcissistic, <laughs> like for me to get up and say, here's how to write. Here's the secret to good writing. It's so, it's so subjective and it's so personal. And, you know, like I was saying with the reviews, I mean, and I'm not, you know, I'm not. Uh, Shakespeare, you know, I'm not that person. Mm. I, I just didn't, I said, I'm not qualified, but my most recent book, which is probably one of my favorite books I've ever written was a book about marriage. And it was called, if it was easy, they'd call the whole damn thing a honeymoon. Mm. And I had all of this research on marriage, you know, floating around in my brain still that I just thought was funny and ironic. And, you know, I'm a humor writer, so I wanted to make it funny. And I, I said, well, what about this? What about what you don't know about marriage? Because there was this, all this bizarre, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous research on marriage. Mm-hmm. And I sort of wanted to skewer it because, you know, at the end of the day, you can take every statistic. I mean, they have st- literally statistics about, you know, the weight difference between a man and a woman can predict, you know, how, how long the marriage will stay together, how much they spent on the wedding, 
who makes more money, you, you know, all these crazy yeah. things. And it's, you know, everybody knows somebody who has every one of those things. I'm using air quotes going against them. Mm. And it's, it's all in your heart, you know, like they don't, none of statistics can't, can't take that into account. Like if you really love somebody, you can say, you can find wildly su successful marriages between, you know, Democrats and Republicans. I mean, and yeah. you'd think, well, that will never work, but it, it does all the time. So, you know, that was kind of my, my goal was just to mock, mock it, mock the research. And yeah. I did. And you did. And you obviously did a very good job at it. <laughs> I had fun. You know, like I said, it was my first speech. And when I look back on it now, I'm like, I cringe. I cringe watching it. Like, I want to tell people, people that find me that way, they say, oh, we found your TED Talk. We'd love you to come speak. And I'm like, I am so much better now. Just so you know, that was literally <laughs> my first speech. I'm so much more comfortable. I'm so much, you know, I know how to, I know how to pause and give the people time to react, which I didn't in that speech. And I kind of spoke over their laughs and, you know, I was so nervous but now it's just fun yeah so then because you're a writer and you know you mentioned in the beginning how you enjoy your alone time and and not having to get out in public per se and then speaking is such a very different thing because it's the, almost the complete opposite right what how were you so comfortable because I've watched the TED talk and as an observer I, you do. You look very comfortable. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. Well, because the truth of the matter is, is that 10 or 12 or 45 minutes that I'm speaking, that is one one hundredth of the work that goes into a speech, right? So 99.9% mm. .9 of the work does happen in isolation, in the solitude, in my my Zen place, my happy place. And then the fruit of all of that behind the scenes work is getting up. And obviously, you know, you and I have worked together. You know I'm not shy. Mm. I am I, I do like I like the limelight and I like getting that feedback. And I found like after that talk in particular, why like I was just saying I, I didn't have the pacing as as well as I do now because I had never had that experience before of having, getting to see the reaction to my humor. You know, mm, I'm a writer. I write it. And then hopefully people laugh when they're reading it. But I've never, I had never had that moment where I got to watch it other than making my husband read my stuff and sitting there staring at him. And every time he <laughs> smiles, I'm like, why'd you smile? What was funny? <laughs> well, that, that, well, that, why didn't you laugh out loud then? Because that was really funny. You're just like, that was like, you barely cracked a smile, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> So, you know, that it's, it's a, it's a high, it's a rush. It's an amazing feeling to get up there and get that, get that feedback. I mean, yeah. that said, I don't want to do it all day, every day. It's exhausting, the mm -hmm. emotionally exhausting. Do you find, because I write as well, so I understand. And then for any writer also listening, they would probably understand. It's very different. And you kind of touched on this in the beginning to, to be funny when you write and it comes out in a very different way. So how was it for you to take that and then just translate it into speaking? It is so very different. Um, and it's, it's funny because it's just, a, it's like flexing a different muscle. You know, it's like doing a bicep curl and then doing a lunge. You're like, whoa, 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 that one's not going to work. You know, I have to, I, you really have to hone that skill. And, and the way you do that, of course, is reading out loud, you know, you, you read, like I've done this even when I, whenever I do a book signing, I always read an excerpt, a small, you know, one or two, four pages, whatever from one of my books. Mm -hmm. And I have to, it takes me so long to find the one that reads out loud as well as I hope that it reads on the page, you know, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, for instance, when I start writing a speech, you know, I write it, 
I type it with my fingers. And then when I get the first draft, I print it out because I'm still a dinosaur and mm-hmm. I, I read it. I, mean, I don't have it memorized yet. I just read it. And I, as I'm reading it, I, I stop. I got the red pen out and I'm like, oh, no, no, I, you would never say that like that. You would you know, that's not how people talk. You can write it like that. And it's funnier. You know, a lot of times in writing, you have to kind of save the save the punchline, I guess, for lack of a better, you know, when you're structuring a sentence or a paragraph or a thought, you know, I love the bump bump at the end of, of, of some sort of passage. And, but in a speech, you can't save everything for that. You know what I mean? You yeah. kind of have to drop little things and, and really in a speech, it's as much about what you don't say as what you do say, you know, a strategic pause, like <clears throat> can, can speak volumes that you, you can't do in writing. So, totally. you know, it's just, it's, it's trial and error. It's practice it, listen to it, make other people suffer through it. My kids knew the first three sentences of my TED Talk. They still do, in fact, and it's been five years. They'll be like, every year in the United States alone, because I would just walk around saying it, like trying mm-hmm. to make it so that it just flew off the tongue and just sounded as I was as if I was saying it to you. Of course. That's so cute. That's very, very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and on the topic of kids, you've also started writing some children's books. I have. Yeah. So what's inspired you to write children's books now? Well, you know, I should say like my lovely children. <laughs> no, but the, the, the initial impetus was, oh God, not that book again. Please God, no. Like every night when your oh, kids yeah. are little until even I have an 11 year old. She still likes it if I read to her. She can read Harry Potter. She, you know, she can read anything. But mommy, will you read with me tonight? Yeah, I'll read with you. And so much of what's out there, I'm sorry, sucks. Yeah. And, you know, when they were little, little, it would be the same books over and over. And I would, I'm not even exaggerating at all. I would hide one. I would hide things. I would put, <laughs> like, the dust jackets on different books to be like, oh, I don't know what happened to that one. Huh. How about we read this one? You know, the one I knew they would pick, I would put, like, the one I liked would all go in the front. It's like, it's, yeah. you know, they're just, they're not all fun for the parents. So my very first thought was, I want to write something that the kids love, but the parents enjoy. It can have a little bit, you know, they're clean books. Obviously, they're for children but they can have a little bit of subtle humor that sometimes maybe even the kids won't get, but the parents will totally get. And so that was my first impetus, but I didn't know what the book was going to be. And then I, when my, when my kids were little, I'm a writer, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I I had those baby books, everybody get, you know, everybody will give you these beautiful air heirloom quality baby books and, and the prompts in them will say like, you know, first tooth and first smile and people who came to the baby shower. And you're like, who gives a rat's you know what uh, what what is that what is that ever going to mean to me oh look she got her first tooth on april 2nd 2007 <laughs> who cares right totally. so i scrapped the baby books i never filled out a word and i went and i got these two beautiful blank journals mm-hmm. and in, inside the cover of each i wrote the funny things i say the funny mm-hmm. things i say by sophie and the funny things i say by sasha and they, you know, they're, my oldest is a teenager and they, she's still, when people come over, she's like, oh my gosh, sit down. We're going to, we're going to read through the funny book because they're funny. And so my very, I have four children's books, um, either out or coming out shortly. And the, the first two, 100% came, the, all the quotes came from those funny books. I created characters, these two, uh, two sisters, and they say these funny things to each other and to their teachers and to their parents because they're just too good not to, not to immortalize that way. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. And then do your girls also enjoy your books? 
They're my biggest fans. Oh my gosh. They're, they're like, they want to give, the, the, we just started school this week. I, I need copies of all your books to give my teachers. I'm like, that's a lot of books. <laughs> I mean, you know, how about give them one or two, but they want to give everybody, you know, they're, they're so proud and they both really enjoy writing, which is, you know, it's one of those things where it would be really awful if they didn't, you know, or if they yeah. were really bad because <laughs> I'm a pretty harsh critic. My my oldest wrote this poem this morning that I was crying. Well, not this. She wrote it this week, but she sent it to me in Google Docs today to make sure everything was perfect. And it made me cry. Aww. I was like, oh, and I don't even love poetry, but it was beautiful. Oh, that's so, so awesome. Uh, they've inherited their mama's goodness. <laughs> I don't know about that, but they're both very, they're both very studious girls and I was a big geek and you know they're both kind of like teacher's pets sit at the front of the class pick me pick me and you know oh, that's they, awesome. they come by it honestly <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll be fun watching their journey growing up as well that's great okay I have a couple of signature questions for you to finish off tell me what is your greatest vice my greatest vice yeah Oh, I'm a sh- I'm, I hate to say this. I'm a shopping addict. I shop. Literally, I'm looking through a catalog when I'm talking to you. That is so bad. <laughs> I, I could shop all day, every day. I never am tired of it. And it's, this is a horrible thing to say, but I, like, I have two daughters and they say to me all the time, you would have been so bummed if we were boys. I'm like, some boys like to shop because we shop like we just shop. Right. I'm kind of a bargain shopper, but mm-hmm. I, I'll shop. I like, I just, yeah, I guess that's my biggest vice. Is there anything like in particular that you like to shop for or is it just anything goes? Pretty much anything, but I really think if I wasn't a uh, writer, I would have had something to do with design. I love house things. I love redecorating, decorating, redecorating, finding interesting little tchotchkes. And mm. um, we just bought a rental property, uh, uh, a vacation house that we'll yeah. rent out. And I don't even care if I ever get to stay in it. Just buying all the little th- knickknacky, cute, cutesy yeah. knickknacky things for me is like, it is like a drug. I kind of can't stop. <laughs> That's funny. I have to agree with you. I love homewares and things like that. So I'd, I'd go on that shopping trip with you. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and tell me, what's your greatest love? Oh, my family. Mm. Family, they're the best. If you could attempt another career, what would it be? I'd be a decorator. Mm. Or, or a professional organizer. I love like taking other people's mess and making it really, really neat. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's a cool one. And what do you believe is your greatest asset? Um, I think I'm a good person. Mm. I think I'm just good. I think I'm, I have morals and values and I try to help people and I try to live a good life and be a good person. Wonderful. And last question, the greatest piece of wisdom that you've been given Oh, that just, just of all of everything. Um, I, I probably wouldn't say the greatest, but the one that comes mm. to mind. Oh, wait. No, I'm going to back up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my husband credit for this one because this was in my daughter's poem this morning. My husband says this every day and mm-hmm. sometimes it infuriates me, but I think it infuriates me because it's true. Mm-hmm. Experience is the greatest teacher. Oh, Yeah. It you got to learn it by doing it. You got to make those mistakes. Totally. I can tell you 5,000 times that the stove is hot, but you might not believe me until you touch it. So true. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Well, thank you so much for chatting. It was good to catch up again. You are darling, and I'm so grateful that you thought of me, and I enjoyed every moment. Wonderful. Have a great evening. Thanks, Monica. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.